You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Hebrews chapter 11, I want to talk a few minutes about how we view what is our perspective on our past mistakes. All right, everybody listen to me. What is your perspective on your past mistakes? Now, some of you I know, some of you I don't know at all, but here's what I do know about everybody in this building. You blew it. Let's just get the cards on the table. You have blown it. Oh, Tim, I can't come to your church if they knew what I'd done. Look, let's just don't even start into if you knew what I'd done. If you knew what I've done, you wouldn't be here. If I knew what you've done, I wouldn't want you here. So let's just don't anybody talk about our past mistakes, okay? Here's what I can tell you about all of us. We got them. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We got past mistakes. What I want to talk about is how do you think about your past mistakes? How do you view that? The title of what I want to share with you in the next few minutes is failure is an opinion. It's not a fact. Failure is an opinion. It's not a fact. Hebrew chapter 11 is known as, in Bible scholars, the faith chapter. In it, we read many, many examples of great men and great women of faith. The Bible is often referred to in Hebrews chapter 11 as the hall of fame of faith people. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, Abel, verse 5, Enoch, verse 7, Noah, verse 8, Abraham, verse 11, Sarah, verse 20, Isaac, verse 21, Jacob, Moses, verse 31, Rahab, I like verse 32. I'm going to run out of time if I keep talking about all these people. And then Samson and David and Samuel, just on and on. We can't even talk. The list of what the Bible calls great men and women of God is very interesting to me. Because when I read somebody's name and I read that the Bible says great men or women of God, if God calls you a great man of faith, I'm on, I want to know something about you. If God says, hey, it's a great man of faith. If God says, this is a great man right here, he's after my own heart, I want to know something about him. Well, you start looking up these great people. I don't want this to get out, but Noah was caught drunk, caused all kind of trouble for his kids. I mean, don't let this out, but Abraham and Sarah cut covenant with God, the father of the nation. I mean, you know Abraham and Sarah lied, schemed, don't tell nobody. I mean, don't post this. Isaac was a great man. He was a horrible father. He played favorites with his two kids. Jacob was a great man, and he cheated his brother and schemed with his mother. I mean, I'm not putting anybody's business on the street, but I don't want nobody to know about this. Moses, in a fit of rage, murdered a guy just because he's mad. Well, shh, don't post this kind of stuff. Can we just, Rahab? She wasn't a seamstress for a living. Prostitute. That's just among us. We're not gossiping. I'm just going over these great people 
and letting you know something about him. On and on, David, a man after God's own heart. Well, he just had a little affair. That wasn't a really big deal. I mean, somebody had to kill her husband. You know, I mean, so, I mean, Paul, he wrote a big part of the New Testament. I don't, I mean, I don't want this to get out, but he changed his name. He just stood around and oversaw the stoning. I mean, it's one thing to shoot somebody with a gun. It's another thing to stand there and watch them hit them so many times in the head with a rock they died and you oversaw that. Here's what I'm telling you. As you get to know the people in the Bible who God calls great people and God used these people mightily, you're quickly aware that God uses imperfect people. God just uses imperfect people. And and your mind goes to Romans chapter 11, verse 29. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Now, what are you going to do with that? The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable on your life. My point is that God has a plan for you. And your mess-ups don't change God's plan for you. Now, think about this. If God's plans were changed by people not being perfect, where would all of us be? Our mess-ups obviously don't stop God. Now, we're stopped by our mess-ups. Other people are stopped by their mess-ups. I mean, other people's mess-ups make me mad, but, but they don't stop God's plan for you and your life in this world. Proverbs 24, 16. Though a righteous man fall seven times, he rises again. I blew it, but I'm going to get up and get it straight. Oh man, I blew it again, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to get it straight. I want to talk about the fact that failure is someone's opinion. It's not a fact. It's not a fact. The dictionary gives us a definition of the word fail. Listen to this. To become insufficient, to die away, to stop functioning, to be useless, to be useless. As you're evaluating your past mistakes, I won't ask for a show of hands. Let's just go with we all got them, okay? As you're evaluating your past mistakes, as you're thinking about your past mistakes and you're evaluating that, how do you see your past mistakes? Let me ask you this. What is your conclusion about all that you've messed up in your life? What conclusion have you come up with about yourself? We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all blown it. We've all blown it big time. Now, as you're thinking about some of the things that you've done wrong in your life, what is your conclusion about those? I want to talk about the fact that failure is an opinion. It's not a fact. Yes, absolutely. Rahab was a harlot. And that's wrong. I wouldn't encourage anybody to make their living in that profession. It's bad. It's wrong. It's terrible. It's awful. What she was doing was awful. How big of a failure could she have considered herself? 
Now you think about a harlot, how big of a fat boy I have. My life is wrecked. I've wrecked my life. I've ruined my life. God could never use me. God could never be happy with me. I mean, nobody will ever accept me. I'll never do anything of significance. See, what is the conclusion as she looked back on her past of being a harlot? All of these people in Hebrews chapter 11, we read about in their life, we read about the horrible consequences of their sin. Now, and I, I want you to get this. Noah's sin cost. It cost his family. David's sin was a huge cost. It was a huge cost. Jacob's sin was a huge cost to his family. The cost of sin is definitely there. I always tell our young people, if your parents tell you, do not go out there and play with that axe, and you sneak out of the house, and you go out there, and you're chopping, and you're chopping with this axe, your parents told you, don't use that axe, you're chopping with that axe, and you come down, and you cut your finger off. Now, what is the reaction of your parents? Are they going to say, I told you not to do it? Just bleed to death. I don't care. I told you not to. No, what's your parents going to do? What is your mom going to do? What's your dad? They're going to run out. They're going to scoop you up. They're going to wrap that thing. They're going to stop the bleeding. They're going to do everything they can to mend that, to fix that, to forgive you, to get you back going again. But you need to know you'll live the rest of your life like that. See, we, we preach God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's mercy. While that is true, you need to know there are consequences to your sin. I'm going to love you. I'm going to forgive you, but it costs you. And so for the rest of your life, you walk around bearing the consequences of sin. You pay a heavy price for sin in your life, but God doesn't change his mind about you. Now, I want to make sure that that's clear in your thinking. God never gives up on his plan for you. You and I are the only ones that throw in the towel on God's plan for us. See, calling yourself a failure, I'm just a failure in life. Seeing yourself as too far gone. Seeing yourself as I have blown it too bad to ever have a good life, a blessed. See, I see people having a blessed life. I see my friends having a good life, but I have blown it so bad, I can never be happy. I can never have a good life. I can never have a blessed life. See, coming up with that conclusion in your mind, I'm a failure. I've blown it too bad. The most important fact about these biblical hall of famers in Hebrews chapter 11. The most important fact for you to see there is every one of them had to get over their past to move on in fulfilling what God called them to do. Every one of them had to get over a past to go on and do what God had called them to do. Rahab, she could have never done what she did. I mean, I can't go back into her story, but she saved God's army. 
I mean, she single-handedly enabled God's movement and his plan of his people into the promised land. But had she just whipped herself down and whipped herself down and whipped herself down, you are so sorry. You are the scum of the earth. You are horrible. I can't believe nobody will ever talk to you. You are so rotten. You're so dirty. You're so low. Nobody yet. Had she been sitting around doing that, she would have never stepped up and done what God laid on her heart and called her to do. See, because God can't use me. Nobody can use me. I can't be a benefit to anybody. See, Rahab had to get over her past to go on and fulfill what God had called her to do. Jeremiah 29 tells us, I know the plans I have for you. It's plans for a future. It's plans for hope. A man that oversaw the stoning death of Stephen. He writes, Philippians chapter 3, here's one thing I do. Forget what lies behind, and I reach for what lies ahead. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forget what lies behind, and I'm going to reach for what lies ahead. The scripture I want to use in talking about this is Proverbs 26, 20. It says, where there is no wood, the fire goeth out. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. You can't live your life throwing wood on the thought, I'm a failure. You you can't continue to feed that thought, I'm a failure, I blew it. I'm a failure, I blew it. I'm a failure. Well, I can't believe what I did in high school. I can't believe what I've done. I can't believe what I've done. See, you're just throwing wood on that fire, I can't believe it. The pain, the hurt, the guilt, the remorse, the self-hatred. See, you keep that in your life because you keep fueling that thought. It will only go out when and only when you quit feeding it. See, a fire goes out when you quit feeding it. I'm talking about failure is not a fact. It's just your opinion of yourself. And you've got to stop feeding those negative thoughts about you and what you did. Now, I mean, this here's the way it is. You may have failed in a marriage relationship. I have no doubt about it. You failed. You blew it. You failed in your marriage. But you're not a failure. I mean, you may have failed as a parent. You just blew it. You walked out on your kids. You messed up. You, you, you big time failed. But you're not a failure. See, failing as a parent doesn't make you a, I'm just a loser, I'm just a failure. And hold on, hold on. You may have failed financially. I mean, a couple of horrible decisions you made. You were a bonehead and you blew it. I don't know what to tell you. You failed financially as a bad decision. But you're not a failure. Are you understanding what we're talking about here? I can't do anything right. Okay, well, hold on. Yeah, you didn't do a couple of things right. I'm going to hand it to you. But to say I can't do anything right, God can never, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're fueling a fire that just continues to blaze in your life, and you don't have to quit feeding that thing. The dictionary gives us a definition of fail to become insufficient to die away, to stop functioning, and to be useless. You can't live your life 
seeing yourself as useless. You can't do that. You, you can't live your life seeing yourself as insufficient. The conclusion that you're drawing is, I'm a failure. For you to conclude, for you to come up with, for you to deduct, I'm a failure, you make yourself useless. You stop functioning in life. You begin to see yourself as insufficient, as not good enough, as not worthy. And my point here is just simply this. That's not God's conclusion of you. That, that's not the way God sees you. Now, you see yourself that way. You see the mistakes that you have made. But I want you to know that's not the way God sees you. Read the list of great people. I'm talking about great people in the Bible that God used in powerful ways. Terrible mistakes in their past. I mean, they blew it. God does not come up with the conclusion that you're a failure. As God thinks about you, as God thinks about all the mess ups in your life, he does not come up with the conclusion that you are a failure. Now, you may have failed with alcohol. You may have failed with drugs. You may have failed sexual immoralities. You may have failed in business. You may have failed with your kids, but you're not useless. God does not see you as useless. The apostle Paul writes, forget what lies behind and you reach for what lies ahead in your life. You've got to stop throwing wood on that fire. When you see yourself as a failure, it stops you from being used by God. Yesterday cannot be changed, but you can decide tomorrow. Did y'all write that down? That was really good. For those who dozed off and you're just now joining us, I just said something really, really good. I'll go over it again. Yesterday cannot be changed, but you can decide tomorrow. Did you get that? We got some a little slower. Yesterday, see, we're all encompassing. The really quick, fast ones, the medium ones, and then the extreme slow ones. For those extremely slow, let me go over this one more time. I'll say it slower. Yesterday cannot be changed, but you can decide what your tomorrow is going to be. You can make that decision right now. The people that show forth God's praise, the people that do something great, the people that will be used by God are all people who don't ponder their past, who don't talk about their past, who don't ponder their past, but are always pushing forward in life. Oh, I'm not going to sit around and talk about my past. I'm not going to sit around and ponder what I should have done. Let's just don't start that conversation, okay? There's no end to what I should have done. We're not going to continue to talk about what I should have done. I'm going to keep thinking about what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. From tonight forward, here's where I'm going. From today forward, here's... I'm not going to talk about what I should have or I should not have done. Psalms 23.3, he restores my soul. The word restore means to bring back to a starting point. 
You look up the word restore in the dictionary, it means to bring back to a starting point. Restore. He restores my soul. You know what it is to take an old car and restore that car. I'm into watching on RFD the tractors. And they got these 1930s and 1940 tractors that have been restored. They have been restored. Some of y'all are into restoration of cars. We've taken this old thing, got out the dents. We sandblasted it. We got off the old paint. We got, so we got, and we brought it back, see, to restore, to bring back to a starting point. God restores you. He restores my soul. I'm new every morning. He restores my soul. Never, ever see yourself as useless, non-functioning, too far gone. You see yourself as restored. I refuse to ponder the past. Who did what? Why that happened? Who said what? I've got to forget what lies behind, and I've got to push for what lies ahead. Failure is just an opinion. It's not a fact. You simply can't allow that to be your opinion. Let me ask you, what drives you? What drives you? The word drive means to guide, to control, to direct. What dri- Everybody's driven by something. Everybody's driven by something. What, is, what drives you? Does laziness drive you? I mean, does laziness drive you? Let me ask, does anger drive you? You're angry. You're mad at the way things are. You're mad at the way things go. And you're you're driven by anger. You're driven to say something wrong. You're driven to do something wrong. You know, many are driven by guilt. I see a lot of parents that because they've had several bad decisions in their life and and maybe two or three different divorces in a short time. And, you know, they can't discipline their child and make this child mind because they feel so bad about what they've done. Oh, bless his heart. He's been through so much. He's been through so much. How could I discipline it? Look, you, this child needs discipline. This child needs correction. But you refuse to correct him. You refuse to discipline him because you feel so bad about what you've done. And, you know, bless his heart. He doesn't have, he didn't have that, you know, and he doesn't have a mama. He didn't have, well, you know, and so you just let this kid grow up and raise hell. End up in the penitentiary because you were driven by guilt instead of by what you knew needed to be done. So I can't be friends with them because of what they did. I can't be friends with them because of what they did back 10 years ago. I can't work because of something that happened in my past. So I can't be used by God because of something that happened. See, every decision is controlled by guilt. What's driving you? Many right now are being driven by fear. Fear tells you how to respond and mate. Fear has you doing things that there is no fact, there is no reason for doing it. But see, fear has us doing things. There is no reason for this. But out of fear, we're making decisions. Out of fear, we're being driven. Are you being led and driven by fear? Fear will have you responding to your mate. Fear will have you talking to your kids. Fear will have you reacting to your boss. See, fear will have us doing things that you would have never done under any circumstance. You're being driven right now by fear. Some are being driven by materialism. Some are driven by more money. Some are driven by the need to be accepted, the need for approval. 
Certain things drive all of us. What I'm asking you is, are you being driven by, I've blown it too bad? Is that what's driving you? I've blown it too bad. I've messed up. I've gone too far. I'm too far gone. I'm too far messed. Up. See, are you being driven by the, by the I've blown it syndrome that you just continue to fuel in your head? This gets in your mind. And it's, it's fueling. It's fueling a fire inside you. And because of that, right now, you've allowed yourself to be pretty useless You've just allowed yourself to pretty much stop functioning. You're just kind of going through the motions of living, but you're, you're pretty useless. This is essential. You have to get control of this because God's not thinking this about you. Proverbs 26, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. We've got a big fireplace in our den. And Terry and I are watching a two-hour western put the commercials in there and make it six hours. So every little bit, I've got to get up and throw another piece of wood on the fire. I got to go get some other log, throw it on that fire. I've got to go, and man, I got that thing blazing. The heat's coming off of it. I got that fire rolling. And I keep, I got to get up and throw another log on that fire. Late in the night, late in the night, 8, 8.30, she and I go upstairs and go to bed and I stop throwing wood on that fire and I come down in the morning, it's gone. It's gone. See, the fire goes out when you quit throwing log on it. And if you will quit feeding those thoughts of how bad you've blown it, it doesn't take long. That just goes out. Now, there's a couple of points that I want to make right here. Number one, And this may be news to you. Maybe you don't know this. But it is possible to control your thoughts. And maybe you don't know that. It's possible to control your thoughts. And number two, there is a way to control your thoughts. You know, too often young people have allowed their thoughts to run so wild with them. And they've done so for so long. Maybe you've let your thoughts run wild your whole life. You don't know that you've got complete control over those thoughts. You don't even know it. It's just been out of control for so long. You don't realize I don't have to keep thinking that. I think something else. You, you don't know that. The police pulls you over for speeding. And he comes up to your window and you said, I don't know why you're stopping me. Well, you were speeding. I wasn't. This right foot, it just kept pushing on the gas. I didn't want it to. I told you, better stop doing that. After I just kept on shoving that gas pedal to the floor. Wasn't me. Your mind is a muscle in your body. Don't tell the police you didn't think that. You're, you're le- See, you didn't do that. You're letting your mind run wild with you, and you can pull your foot off the gas pedal. You can stop thinking that. Yes, you can stop thinking that. I always say, you may not can keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. They don't have to just move in there. I mean, a bad thought comes all the time, but you, hey, I'm not thinking that thought, and it goes right out. You just have to keep thinking it, keep thinking it, keep pondering it, keep pondering it. Well, how do I do that? First of all, you can control your thinking. Okay, secondly, how do I do that? Well, Matthew 12 and Luke 11 both 
talk about the kicking out of the evil spirits and sweeping, cleaning up the house. It says they walk around out here for a while, but they come back. I mean, they come back a whole lot worse than they left because they found nothing there. You can't just stop thinking a wrong thought. You have to replace that thought with a good thought. You got to fill that hole with a good thought. You don't stop a bad thought. The way you do it is you stop it and immediately you put a good thought in its place. This is why knowing the Bible is so important. Knowing what God says about you is vital in controlling your thinking. The thought hits you, I'm a failure. Immediately, I kick that out and I say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Five minutes later, you're a failure. You kick that out and immediately you start thinking, God chose me before the foundations of the world. He's called me according to his plan. See that thought, five minutes later, I'm a failure. You kick that out and you start thinking, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I'm more than a conqueror. I think about the fact I'm the head, I'm not the tail. I'm above, I'm not beneath. So I replace that thought with what God says about me and you stop the bad thoughts that's going to destroy your life by replacing them with what God says about you. You decide what you think on. Have any of, of you ever had the distinct thrill and pleasure of having an MRI? Well, they strap you on that board and they slide you in that tube. I'm talking about, it just goes around you like this. And they put you all the way down in that tube. Anybody know what claustrophobia is? It's when you just go desert. I mean, it's like you just explode on the inside of you. Well, I've been blessed to have three of those. At three different times with my back and my shoulder. And, and they're strapping me on that board and they're going to slide me down into that tube, my whole body down in there. And that thing is around you. Mm. Why does it got to make that humming thing? It's just, mm. And they say, Mr. Brooks, you'll have to stay still. Ma'am, what I'm thinking about right now is not still. I'm just thinking about just, you just feel like I, 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 Now I'm laying on that table and I know I'm only seconds away from going all the way back in that tube. And I'm saying, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And I'm saying, I can't, 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 I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't go in that tube. I can't go in that tube. You have to do this. I closed my eyes and I, I remembered me and two other friends of mine went out in Colorado and we got on our horses a little bit before daylight. And I relived a 10 hour horseback ride in the mountains of Colorado with my eyes closed step by step. And I, I relived that trail going up that steep winding trail. I relived getting off. I was just, I tied my horse up. I got in my saddlebags. I got my lunch. I climbed up on this rock. It was overlooking this river down below. I ate my lunch and I went sound to sleep. 
And I remember them waking me up and I remember him, Brooks, get off that rock. I, was, I didn't know where I was. I remember being asleep on that rock and that sun hit me. Oh man, it's, it's the best thing in the whole wide world. And, and then we got back on our horses and, and it got real steep. And I said, I was remembering this and I'm telling you, we rode up this thing and I, and I was winding up and you could see the brink and I got up here and I, my horse stepped up on this mountain and his head was hanging off of it. This mountain was straight down like this and you could see, I don't know, a mile or two. And my horse turned like this and started walking down and, and my stirrup was hanging up. And I, I'm, I'm thinking about this wide open space as far as I could see. And I remember riding down that thing and we got back in there, came off of that, what we call a hog's back. It's just, and this horse was walking right in here and we rode down into this lake and the humming stopped and he's pulling me out and I was so mad. <laughs> because we had a great ride back and I couldn't believe they interrupted me. The second time, the second time, I was pushing me back in that MRI and I knew what to do this time. I control my thinking. So a couple of different times I've been out to Wyoming. I've got some friends that we've met and their family out there. They got a little small place out there, 25,000 acres, a few cows, about 5,000. And it's time to brand all of them had a baby. And so we worked out here and I was riding a horse and we got... We were pinning them 500 at a time, and there were seven of us on horses, and we'd go into this pen with 500 calves, and we'd rope the back legs of that calf. You spin your rope around the saddle horn, and you turn, and it jerks the calf over his side, and you slide him out, and there were seven different sets, and each set had three people at it, and I'd slide that calf out. Those three would jump on that calf, take my rope off. One would give it a shot. One would brand it with the branding iron. The other one would tag this thing and, and they would let it up. By the time they did that, I'd already been back in the pen, roped another one, and I was dragging him out. And I've done that a couple of times with them and, and I relived that entire scenario. And before you know it, they were waiting, Mr. Brooks, Mr. Brooks, leave me alone. I'm roping cattle right now. My third MRI, I'd already relived those. I went with a good friend of mine out to Monument Valley, Utah. Thank the Lord, Terry elected not to go with us that day. She stayed at the spa. We went out into the mountains. And we did something that should not have been done. We got our horses and and there was a cliff. But I could see where the goats had been walking on the edge of that cliff. And I decided we could ride a horse up there. And, and we got on that goat trail on this cliff. And my leg was dragging the side of that bank. And it was knocking the mud. And my left stirrup was hanging off over. And it was, uh, the, the houses down there were that big. Uh, and we went all the way to that side. It was a switchback. And then we came all the way to this side. One wrong step. This horse spooked one way, and it's not like it would have been bad. No, like they, there wouldn't have been enough left to put you in a baggie. I don't know why we decided to do that, but we did. And in that MRI, I relived that whole ride. Here's my point. 
you can control your thoughts. You decide what you want to think about. You decide what you're going to think about. And when the thought comes, you're a failure, you stop that thought. And you replace it with what God says about you. You're going to have to see yourself. You got to see your future like God sees you. Our scripture, Proverbs 26, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Stop fueling those thoughts. I'm a failure. I've blown it. I've messed up. I've messed up. I shouldn't have. I should. You got to stop all that. God sees you in light of his plan for you. Stop feeding thoughts of failure. That's just an opinion. It's not a fact. Y'all stand. Don't miss Sunday morning. I want to pick up right here. We're going to go again. Father God, tonight, we thank you for creating us in a way that we're in control of our minds and our thoughts. Lord, tonight, we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to stop thinking wrong thoughts. We're going to stop thinking negative thoughts. We're going to stop thinking these thoughts that render us ineffective and useless. God, you have a plan for me. You have a purpose for me. Your purpose and your plan is not over because I have not been perfect in my past. Your plan is still your plan. And God, tonight, I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm going to accomplish on this earth what you've called me to accomplish. And I'll be all that you created me to be. Lord, your plan for me before the foundations of this world is still in effect. And I'll be who you called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com. 